Don never heard it rain at all last night. I did. It was pouring big time. Oh, you didn't? Oh, I bet we got two inches probably. It poured. So we're going to give this just a minute and let Facebook push it out and then we'll start. Hey, Butch. Good to see you with us today. <clears throat> Hope you're having a fun weekend. <clears throat> All right. We want to thank everybody for being with us today on Facebook Live and those who will watch it later on and also on YouTube. I will upload it to YouTube uh, probably in a couple of hours. So we thank you for being here. We're continuing our teaching on unveiling the revelation that Jesus revealed to Apostle Paul. And what I mean by unveiling it is uh, there was a veil put over it, uh, over all the scripture. And it was the false perceptions of men and also the uh, wrong translations that people did. And so with Father's help, we're removing all that so we can hear the truth. Because Jesus said, the truth, which is the not concealed word, will make you free. He set us free. He set mankind free from religiosity and everything. But until you hear the truth and you embrace the truth, the real truth, but nothing but the truth, then you really won't be made free. You won't experience that freedom. And we were talking about that a little bit before this, how what we were taught in our growing up in church, it did not make us free. It kept us almost worse than it was before we came, didn't it? <laughs> so to, today we're going to go through Romans chapter 4, uh, verse 1 through 10 from my translation book. <clears throat> I've showed the picture of the book many times. So again, if you don't have it and you'd like to get it and follow along with us, also, I posted this uh, section of scripture on Facebook that you can copy it and read it as we go along. So I hope some of you have done that. Hi, Kay Fairchild. Glad you're with us. So I'm going to read a few of those verses right now in verse 1. What then do we now have to say concerning our forefather Abraham? Since he was confident in his law. If Abraham were rendered innocent, holy, and righteous because of his labor in this law, he could have boasted in the law. But it was not because of his confidence in the tools of the law, it was because of his confidence in father's faith. Verse 3, father promised Abraham that a son would come through him. Father said he would greatly multiply the seed of his son. Abraham believed the Lord and reckoned that which father had promised unto himself. He knew the promise came from the resource of father's equity of character, his nature, and his eternal life, sword toward, uh, life source toward mankind. It did not come from Abraham's toiling. And people need to, heard that, Paul, uh, to hear that because we have toiled and toiled and toiled in our lifetime trying to earn favor from God. And we didn't have to do that. So it did not come as a result of Abraham's doing to be or to get something. So in verse 3, we find concerning a son being the promised seed. Abraham believed father. Yet we are aware that at this time his faith began to decrease sometime for a while because later on when the child didn't come when they thought it should, then Sarah, his wife, came up with a good idea and he yielded to that. In this section of Romans, uh, Paul writes a lot about Abraham. So I want to talk about Abraham. I want to talk about some of the allegorical meanings of, of what he did and how that affects our life. But Abraham's name means source founder of a multitude. Source founder of a multitude. So it was his nature to produce a multitude through his seed. So before father changed his name to Abraham, he was called Abram. We all know that. And that means a high father, 
father of exaltation and exalted father. And then Abraham was a son of Terah of uh, Ur of Chaldees, and father said he would bring forth a great nation out of him. So nation uh, in the Bible physically speak of masses amount of peoples, but also nations represent the awareness of man, right? You know, when, when uh, in Jeremiah, uh, father told Jeremiah that he would send him to nations, not so much nations of people as much as awarenesses of, of, of mankind. And that's what we all need to do is we need to go to people and help them with their awareness because we've been so unfiltered with what religion taught us that we believe it's the truth and it's not the truth. And it's really still hindering us a lot. So <clears throat> when one has faith in father's faith, then what happens? They tap into the power of the divine mind. And when they do that, it reproduces the ideas of unlimited expression. For most of our life, we have felt like we're limited. You know, we sing that song, I'm just a human, and all those things that we did. And, you know, I, I, Jesus is greater than me, and I can never do what Jesus did. And none of that's true, because Jesus said we would do greater things than he did. And so this ability of one divine mind to make substance out of ideas is called faith in Father's faith. I believe today that Father has great faith in me, and Father has believed in what he called me to do a long time ago. And because I put faith in Father's faith, then I have done what I was called to do. Uh, the church teaches you to that you need to have enough faith and you need to have the you need to put your faith in your works and what you give and what you do and how you sow your time and your talent and your treasure and then if you do that you're putting your faith in that and then you think that's why you're blessed i'll always remember mother got up in church years ago when i was pastoring tree of life fellowship and she gave this big testimony about the reason Roy is so successful is because he always worked in church always you know there was always a reason for it but none of it included Father. But the reason we're all successful is because we've tapped into that divine life that's inside of us that will cause us to be successful. So successful. when told by Jehovah that he was henceforth to be, Abram, uh, to be Abraham, Abram was also told that he would be the father of a multitude. And this means that one is to express faith by bringing faith of Father into a multitude of manifest thoughts, and acts. Does that make a difference? Our thoughts need to be holy thoughts. Our thoughts need to be the thoughts of God. I've shared this many, uh, many times over the years, but Father speaks to us in our thoughts, doesn't he, Larry? We don't, we don't hear an audible voice, although it sounds like an audible voice, but who does that voice sound like most of the time? You. Is that correct? It's, it sounds like you, but it's Father speaking through you, and so we, what, what happens then is, is, uh, as, as a, a man of faith, if you would, or as a messenger or whatever, our mandate is to produce a multitude of spiritual thoughts in people's lives by teaching them the truth. And then all of our actions become spiritual and not as carnal. So the first step in spiritual development is the awakening of faith. And that's represented by Abraham. Our faith, we walk by faith, not by sight, all right? But we walk by faith in Father's faith. Now, sometimes people don't quite understand that, but Father is the one that formed us from our mother's womb. Father is the one that put everything in us that would sustain us for our entire life. 
Father put a mandate on every one of our lives, and Father has faith in that, right? It's like an airline uh, uh, pilot. They don't put their faith in their ability to fly, uh, fly the plane. They put their faith in the person that created the plane. They know when they push a certain button or do this or do the, the airplane's going to respond to them. And so that's putting the faith in what their engineers did, if you would, and the mechanics did. So father was the one that created me. So I put my father in father's faith, not in what somebody else says I can do or should do or whatever else. So we must have that faith. And when we do, the reality, the power comes out of the uh, invisible and it shows up in the physical it causes my physical eyes to see that which is true. Currently now, most of us don't see things spiritual with our physical eyes. We, when you do, you're tapping into your single eye. The Bible talks about the single eye. But I believe that I can get where I'm looking with these eyes, and my eyes are tapped into that which is spiritual, and I see things the way they really are, not how they present themselves. And that's why you can see everything beautiful. One person could look at one thing and see it beautiful, and the other one could look at it and see it ugly because they're not seeing true spiritual eyes. And we need that in the world today, particularly with people. There's so many people look with the wrong eyes at people, and they pass bad judgments on them. So uh, Abraham went into this country where his offspring, or manifestations, increased tremendously. So through faithful obedience to this inner urge of the, our holy breath, the Holy Spirit, we gradually develop this contact communication with our divine mind. I was talking to a gentleman today again. He was asking me about Christ and, and Christ in you, the hope of glory. Well, all my life, I thought that meant Jesus in me. Did y'all believe that? Christ in you, we thought it was Jesus in us because we thought that was Jesus's last name. But it makes much better sense, <clears throat> excuse me, that contact with Father God is my hope of glory. Doesn't that make sense to you? If you have a divine mind and you do, then contact with the divine mind is your hope of glory. That computer I have in there, uh, I have access to almost anything I want in the world, but I have to make contact. And how do I do? I connect that to the, the source, which is Wi-Fi, or, or I plug into the wall to Internet, and then there's contact, and that's the hope of that being everything it's supposed to be. To me, glory means everything I'm supposed to be. And I know there are other meanings to that too. So when we, when we move to that constant contact, in various ways we receive assurance from Father's voice that guides us. And when I was writing this, the first thing I heard is, this is the way walk you in it. And that's in Isaiah 30, 20 through 21. I've always prayed that over people. When somebody asks me to pray for their son or daughter that's going to war, I always say I pray this prayer over them that they'll hear a voice from, seems like it's from behind them, and it'll say, this is the way walk you in it. Don't turn this way. Don't go that way. And it can help us spiritually, but also it can help us physically. So while searching for that phrase, I discovered another of thousands of mistranslations in those verses. The King James Version uh, of Isaiah 30, 20 states, <clears throat> and Isaiah 30, verse 20 and 21, this is the King James Version. And though the Lord give you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction. Does anything seem wrong with that right there, Donna? God doesn't give us affliction. That's right. So right off the bat, when you read that, you know that that's been mistranslated, correct? Right. And so 
All, and though the Lord give you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, yet shall not your teachers be removed into a corner any more. But your eyes shall see your teachers, and your ears shall hear a word behind you say, This is the way, walk you in it, when you turn to the right hand and when you turn to the left. So I looked it up in the Hebrew, and this is what it says. And give to you, the Lord, food in your tight places and water in your distress. Isn't that better? Doesn't that sound more like Father? Yeah. And give to you, the Lord, food in your tight places and water in your distress, and you will not withdraw any more from your teachers. Your teachers exist for you to see them as a beacon to, flow of living to a flow of living waters. And your ears will intelligently hear a word spoken as if it were behind you. This is the way, which would be a road, right? Jesus said, I'm the way. What he was teaching was the way. So this is the way, walk in it when you take the right-hand road and when you take the left-hand road. And that's what it actually says. And that's so, so much better. And so we can also look at what bread is. We can look at water. Water is the living word. Water is teaching. Bread is the, the true manna that we feed on, right? The bread of life. So Abraham signifies faith in Father as, as an awakening takes place in one's conscious awareness. You don't always just fully waken up the first time you hear a truth. My awakening's been going on for a long time. Ever since 1996 when Father told me what he was going to do in my life, it made me like a Jeremiah. And I've had to go through a lot of processes of waking up because sometimes it's just difficult to let things go, right? And some people never will. But the early growth of faith is, is not very deeply rooted because very few people have what Isaiah called beacons or incense or waymark teachers. And even if they do, they don't always intelligently listen to them because they still go back to what they've always believed. And what I tell people, we have to get to the point where we, we admit that the majority of what we believe about God is wrong and probably almost all that we believed about ourselves is wrong. And that's just hard to get people to do, right? And I'll explain why in a little bit later on. <clears throat> but what happened is Abraham lived in a tent. And that illustrates that faith has not yet become an abiding quality of consciousness. He's just moving from one thing to another, to another, to another. You know, it reminds me of uh, conferences. And I love conferences, church conferences. And we did them all the time. But some people go from one minister to this minister to the miss, and they never settle down. And one of the biggest problems with that is, is on the internet. You know, they'll find a minister that they like and they listen to them, but people's attention doesn't, sometimes doesn't, it, it, it draws them off, I guess. Then they find another minister, then they find another minister, and they're just getting a whole lot of mixture. And then they end up getting winds of doctrine. And the Bible teaches that winds of doctrines are like filthy rags. They're, they're not good for us. For what happens then is faith takes a firmer hold through specific experiences and movements of consciousness and people, and it begins to take hold on you. Then it establishes the firmament mentioned in the first chapter of Genesis, the firmament. And spiritually, the firmament is used allegorically as faith in our divine mind's power as our driving force. We have to understand that we do have the same mind that Jesus had. The same divine mind, which was the, which it's the mind of the Father. So everything that Father knows, Larry, you have it in you already. But the thing is that we've got to get that connection. 
that connection solid and, and we had to turn from all those things that other people taught us that may not be true because it's a driving force. The Bible talks about the firmament amid the waters and that is an idea of confidence of faith in what seems to be invisible. You know, I don't see everything. I don't see that which is spirit. I don't always see uh, my provision for next week, but I know it's there because I put faith in Father's faith. Father inspired uh, it to be written that we have all things that pertain uh, to life, physical life and spiritual life. So I put my faith in that, that Father did that from the foundation of the world. So I don't worry about what tomorrow is going to bring. I used to, did y'all? <laughs> and it's not fun. You know, am I going to have enough money? You know, I'm getting ready to retire and have I saved enough and have I, have I done that? And it's, it's not an excuse to not save or not an excuse to not prepare for things. But the truth is, I don't put my faith in how much is in my checking account or how many CDs I have because I know it could go away overnight. I know it wouldn't take long for a government to change everything and just say all that money is worthless now. You know, and how would it become worthless? Prices keep going higher and higher and higher. But the truth is, no matter where it goes, we're not going to lack. Because there's always a way. There's always supply, and it belongs to us today. So, we, the ferment again uh, symbolizes a conscious of truth that's formulated and established in us. Our desire should be to live above the ferment, which is actually an experience of greater conscious awareness and resting in the faith of a divine mind, resting there. That's when you get where you know that you know, right? Just like my home, uh, they were building this home, and it, when we first moved in here, it took a while to rest in it because we kind of were missing our other home a little bit. In fact, it took Donna a little bit longer. And, but there came a time that we began to rest in the fact that this is our home, this is our dwelling place. And it's very hard for people to rest in this awareness because there's so much stuff in us that fights it, tries to drag us right back down. And that's those things that Paul said, cast down those vain imaginations, right? And some of those vain imaginations is just what we believe to be true, and it's not true. So <clears throat> in Matthew 3, 9, I'm not going to read it, but Abraham is mentioned there. And Abraham represents a particular, a particular phase of consciousness in the development of the conscious awareness dwelling in what we would call dust dwellers, if you would. That's living in a carnally, carnally mindful state. You do not have a carnal mind. You've never had a carnal mind, but we've had carnal awarenesses, correct? And so that, that takes place there. And, uh, or we could say a dust dweller, and that's what the word Canaanite means is dust dwellers. And so what we want is baptism of our conscious awareness. You know, Larry was talking about being baptized earlier, but we were all baptized, most of us, if we were in a, a charismatic or Baptist, different churches that did that, we were baptized in water, which is nothing but a physical picture of a spiritual truth that we've been baptized in the, in the love of God. We've been baptized in, in what, what Father has showed us. That's called an immersion. So what we need is we need our awareness baptized, our conscious awareness, and, and baptized in the truth. And it frees us from seemingly limitations by opening our eyes to contact with Father. Well, once we get there, we can realize that we are not limited whatsoever. Right. We can do all things through contact with God that strengthens us. Some people say we can do all things through Christ. They think it's Jesus that strengthens us. But contact with Father strengthens us. 
I explain this often. We have Larry and uh, Hutcherson and Lily here with us today. We've been friends for many, many years. And we, that connection we made a long time ago has strengthened us that we cannot see each other for months or years. And the day we see each other is seeing our best friend. We don't have to re-get to know each other, right? We have history. We have connected with one another. And so many people have not connected with Father. And so every time they come to church, in a sense, they have to get to know Father again. <laughs> How's that? By repenting, by, you know, and, and, oh, and I'm not making fun of it, but it's the truth. Huh? They don't have to do that. They don't have to do that because Father knows them perfectly. And the problem is they don't know Father perfectly. Father knows everything about you. Everything. He sees us individually. He sees us wholly, but he knows all about us. So we don't, what, what that in contact state is, is the new Jerusalem environment. It's forming in our heavens all about us. And heavens represent awareness. Also, you can look at the word heaven, and it says the abode of God. Well, who's the abode of God? We are. We are. So Abram, which means father of height, father of exaltation, exalted father, is the name that has a quality through in which man's faith is in a spiritual force that's seemingly invisible to the physical sight. I have faith that there's a spiritual source inside of me. Yes, amen. I have faith, and I believe it, that I'm going to live. You know, people tell me all the time, well, you, you dying twice and coming back, God must have, uh, have a reason for you to live. Well, God has a reason for all of us to live, yes. not just me. Father wants us to live. So when this faith is concentra uh, concentrated upon the one Father, what some people call a God consciousness is established. And we live out of a God consciousness. And mankind knows they are in contact and communication with the source of all existence but they're not always aware of it. You know, we know, we, we, if, if you sit in church very long, we know that, that there is a connection between us and what we would say, I guess, Jesus. And we were taught that Jesus is God. Well, the truth is Jesus was God, just like we're God. We are the son of God. We are daughters of God. And so in this way that Jehovah communicated with Abraham, he communicated through, again, through his thoughts. Genesis 12, I think, one somewhere around there. So when high ideals begin to possess the conscious awareness of the Lord, our inner pulse, uh, impulse uh, begins pressing forth to more spiritual activity. Sometimes we feel this desire for something. We don't always know what it is. I used to joke about this, but sometimes when you go to the refrigerator and you can't find anything, maybe it's not food you're looking for. Right. When you turn the TV on and there's nothing to watch and you get a little frustrated, well, maybe that's not what you're looking for. Maybe you're wanting to, to, to have communication with Father, have a meditation time and set and just listen to the Father speak to you. You don't always have to be doing the talking, right? He said be still. Yeah, yeah be calm and quiet and know. So these high ideals begin to possess this conscious awareness this, and it, it begins, uh, uh, Abram, which it says the lofty one, is father, faith in the unseen father, that there becomes a divine guidance in your life. There becomes a divine guidance in your thoughts. And again, you hear a voice behind you and gives you directions and guides you, but you have to intelligently listen. And somebody wrote me all the, uh, not too long ago, said, are you saying we have to be intelligent? 
I said, no, you are intelligent, all right, but intelligently listen. Don't allow yourself to be distracted. I posted Kay's last video, I think, it, yeah, her last video when she was explaining human and things like that, and I reposted it and I said, this, is, this will change your life if you listen to it, but you need to intelligently listen and don't be distracted. Right. I mean, you'd be surprised how many people watch these sermons in their home and they get so distracted, it's, it's crazy. You know, it, but it happens everywhere. But you can be sitting in a church and you can get distracted. You can be listening to the preacher and 10 minutes later you're thinking about what we're gonna do for dinner today or, or I wish you would hurry up or you know all the stuff people used to think all the time. Nobody's ever said that about me. But see, in the beginning it might be blind faith if, if you're still depend upon sense evidence. It could be blind faith, but it works. It works out beautifully in our lives when we practice it. And like Donna reminded me to be quiet. The word be still means calm and quiet. Be calm and quiet and know, listen to Father. Mm -hmm. Too many people approach Father out of a problem. Mm -hmm. And what are we doing? We're begging. Yes. We were even taught to demand. My pastor of 38 years taught me to demand God, that we have a right to demand Him because we've been paying our tithe and we've been serving so we can demand and say, you have to give me this. No, no, no. That was just a, his perception. It wasn't true. So we discern Abraham as a historical type of faith because he acted in faith. He followed obediently and he followed his spiritual aspirations even though sometimes it looked like he wasn't a man of faith, he was. And he, he continued, and he continued to grow more and more as faith began to get stronger and stronger and stronger. So the, the Bible repeatedly speaks of Abraham as faith. It says he believed God, we are told, and faith was counted to him for righteousness. In other words, he understood that he was righteous. He understood that he was a son of God. He represents faith in his early establishments and consciousness, though. It's still an early establishment. And, uh, you know, there are, there are various planes of conscious awareness. And we grow and we grow and we grow. And then we get to this place where I always like to say, we know that we know that we know. Mm -hmm. You know, people say all the time, well, if you believe what you believe, then why aren't you well? Well, I just, there's something I don't know yet. And so that's why I always pray, Father, I believe in you, I believe what I'm teaching, but help me in what I don't know to believe yet. Exactly. And I think, I, I think we've got a lot of it right, but I don't know how much 100% yet that we believe it, right? right? And we're getting there together. So he represents faith in his early establishments and his conscious life, and we see portrayed this in his different movements of the faith faculty as his life goes on. So to understand the lessons of Abraham's life, one must have a certain familiarity with levels of consciousness. And one of these days, pretty soon, I'm going to teach on those different levels of consciousness. But I've written before, not too long ago, and I really like this. You do not have to change residence to enter into a new country because a country represents an awareness. Father said, the land that I will show thee is a new concept of substance. Now, yes, physically he went to a physical land. But see, all those pictures are for us to understand spiritual truths, the allegorical meanings of them. And so you don't have to move somewhere to really to, 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 uh, 
have a new awareness or a greater awareness. You can just be still wherever you're at. Even if you're in a fellowship that may not be teaching these things, you can begin to realize that there's more truth. And then in your home, just dig into it. Get some good teachers and be still and be quiet and begin to listen and let the Father help you to where you can live out of a spiritual consciousness instead of a physical or a carnal consciousness. So what happens when we deny our attachments to matter and material, you know, remember that song, Madonna, I'm a material girl? You know, when we remove that condition, we affirm our unity with spiritual substance. Then we enter into this consciousness of real substance where everything that we have, everything we think is a spiritual substance and it sustains us and it lasts. And the substance is not confined to just matter. You know, a lot of people today believe because they have wealth that they're blessed. They believe because they have a large congregation that they're blessed. Look at this crowd. I've got a thousand people in here and I'm so blessed, you know. But what if you only have two or three? Are you blessed? Yes, you are. Because today I have three people with me and I'm highly blessed. And I'm highly favored. If nobody else is listening to me, I've got three people here that are listening. And I know I've got people on the internet that are listening too. But we want to we want to get to this place where this idea, this firm foundation, what we conceived is permanent and it belongs to us now and forever. Everything that Father said we are, everything that Father said we have, everything that Father said we could do has always belonged to us now and forever. My salvation was secured at the foundation of the world. Father saved me when Father made man. Does that make sense to you? He, we, he, we didn't get saved by saying a sinner's prayer. We didn't get saved by doing anything they told us to do. Our awareness changed, though, possibly, if we were correctly taught. But when Father created man, he gave man dominion over the earth. When Father created man, the earth already had everything that we needed. He didn't say, whoops, that's the Lord, I forgot they need air, so let's get some air or oxygen. He didn't say, whoops, that's saith the Lord, they need food, so we need to do something about it. No, it was all here already, and we were already spiritual beings, and so we already had it. So if you, if you want to testify when you got saved, you were saved from the foundation of the world. Amen. But there came a time, hopefully will come a time in a lot of people's life where the consciousness will wake up to what that really means. I got saved when I heard these truths. I, I got saved in a sense when I met Brother Garner because he began to teach me more and more and more. So in a measure, I got rescued from beliefs that I had before that, right? Because really what that means is rescue. But there came a time in my life when I really began to study spiritual truths. The Lord opened my spiritual eyes and I experienced what true salvation was. And that's finding out that I've always been one with God. I was saved from the lies that I were taught. Does that make sense? That's what we need to be saved from is the lies that we've taught. And then things become permanent in our life, not temporal. I can testify of all kinds of temporal things that took place that I've called miracles, but they're all gone. You know, the first time we uh, inherited some, actually the first time I won $100, that was a lot of money back then. <laughs> right, Donna? And then one time we were in a small accident and I got $1,000 given to me. That was, oh my God, that was a miracle. And I was testifying all about it. But it's gone. And there was a time that we inherited $100,000. That's even a bigger miracle, right? But it's all gone. You know, of course, it paid for a house and other things. But, but I always say, what would be better to, to win a million dollars or never need money the rest of your life? 
right? What would be better to be healed or just never need a healing again the rest of your life? Be whole. And that's where we that's where we are. We are there, but we're not aware of that totally. So Romans four. Let's go to Romans four four. If a person believes that they must toil for that which already belongs to them, it means they're not aware of their true supply. I just that's what I just saw, shared. But that's how Paul said it. <coughs> they are unaware of their holy breath that already provides every requirement they have for spiritual and physical life. And it's already provided. We have a source in us. If we can just tap into that, we have a source in that. If we live out of our source, there will never be a day that we will lack anything. And the greatest day is when we, we lose that sense of lack. Right? It's it. So he says it means they believe Father owes them something in return for something they have earned by toiling and laboring. Verse 5, those who do not put their trust in this, this do-to-be law, who instead put their trust in the eternal love of Father that was revealed in Jesus' earthwalk and passion, can see with their eyes of confidence that all people are holy and all people are righteous. They are all sons and daughters of Father. They will view religious-minded people and even those who do not believe in all that is holy, righteous, they will see them as righteous sons and daughters of Father. Verse 6, they will see the holy, righteous position of all people, all mankind, age after age for eternity. Precisely as David described it, they will see the righteousness and holy place of mankind as Father saw it when he decreed and declared it from the foundation. <clears throat> all people possess this. All people possess this. Yeah. I was sitting with a young man yesterday at the Apple uh, phone store getting my iPods replaced and he it was very evident that he was uh, I, I think he was getting ready to be transgender or whatever and so I talked to him about it a little bit and I asked him about it and he said yes but I, he said I'm not but he said I'm waiting for the world to accept us before I do it and I was I said well son the world's never gonna accept it the world doesn't accept anything that's that's different than them it's just always happening but I really quickly talked got to talking about who he was and I said, whether you do or whether you don't, you're holy and you're righteous and you're a child of God right now. Amen. And, you know, it kind of took him back a little bit. But uh, that's what we got to do. We, we got to do that because all people possess what I possess. Because yes. if we're not careful, we can get to where I possess it and you don't. Right. And then I look down on you. But I talk to people today that a lot of ministers would, would say, well, if you'll just follow me, if you'll just listen to me or... No, I say, I tell them all the time, you already know this. You already know the answer to what you're asking. And I'll help you. But if you really tap into your divine mind, you tap into Father, you can sit and be quiet and calm and just say, Father, I don't understand this part of Scripture. And just listen. Mm -hmm. And I promise you, you'll hear this is the way we walk you in it. Right. As I study, and it's it's... It's amazing to me, but I hear this voice and Father dictates to me and Father reminds me of something I taught years ago or I'll hear a verse and I'll go to this or just so simple as this one thing. I just heard this is the way walk you in it and I went to it and I studied that and put it in part of this. It's, it's, we have a guide and it's our divine mind. Mm -hmm. It's a perfect mind. So people are automatically established in this position of being right-wise because it's true from the foundation. 
How do you know they're holy? Because it's true from the foundation. Yes. And man never fell, only their awareness fell. So they, now I'll continue here. They have this without any help from anything. It is their reality and not based on labor, tolling, efforts, acts, or deeds from man. Number, verse 7, happy, fortunate, and well-off are those who lay aside the many laws of due to be or due to get and are not subject to them and who do not see or take into account the actions of others who bear the fruit of the mistaken identity. Just as Father does, they see man from the beginning to the end. Father sees us today the way Father saw us from the foundation in his mind. And then verse 8, again, happy, fortunate, well-off is the man who has as father will not take inventory of the side slips of others. Verse 9, this right wise nature and character remains true of those who are bound by the demands of Moses' law and also true of those who are not bound by it. We declare that Abraham's reckoning of what father said to him was what caused him to realize his eternal holiness and oneness with father is what caused it. He put his confidence in the truthful word of father and not in any works of doing to be something or doing to get. Verse 10, how did Abraham reckon himself to be pure, holy, and one with Father? It was not by following the demands of the law of due-to-be efforts, which was pictured by physical circumcision. Father revealed Abraham's true eternal identity to him. So you've got to have that. You, you can have me do it, but you've got to have Father do that. Yeah. You, you need to have Father. Whatever a minister tells you, again, it's important to meditate on that and ask Father about that. And let Father reveal it. Because when Father reveals it to you, you will never forget it. Right. right? When Father shows me Scripture and I open it up and I translate it and I see it and I hear that voice, I never forget that. So Father constantly sought to bring Abraham higher and higher in his awareness of truth. So we see Abraham represents the first activity of faith, the faith faculty of mankind's consciousness to higher ideals of spirit, just like it heals in the Bible. Every place where it talks about going up to heal, it's symbolizing a higher place of consciousness. When Father told Abraham to bring Isaac with him up to the mountaintop, he was wanting to tell him something. But Abraham still was not fully aware spiritually, so he still thought God wanted him to sacrifice his son because that's what they did to all those false gods. Anytime they went up to see Moloch, they were to bring a baby with them and sacrifice them. So he still thought that. So he symbolizes this high place in consciousness that Father wants to always to bring us up higher and higher and higher. So Apostle Paul wrote in Hebrews 11.10, for Abraham looked for a city which, was found, which was, has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. So who did the church teach as that was? Or what did he teach? They taught it was heaven, right? Is that what you heard when he said, look for a city? Right. And then as we grew in understanding more and more and more, we found out that city was us, mm -hmm. right? But there's more than that. It's an awareness. So Abraham was looking for man's spiritual consciousness, if you would. Divine, the divine mind or in contact mind expressed through mankind. We are the city of God. The Bible says, O city, O city, it's us. Mm -hmm. And he was looking at a higher consciousness. He was looking for a people is what he was doing. He was looking for the future that, fa that Father promised him. So Paul, uh, Paul speaks of a house uh, not made with hands, eternal, 
in the heavens, which building we have from Father. And heavens are always our awareness, right? Yeah. It's, it's, it's our spiritual awareness, if you would. So this is our perfect spiritual body, which results from establishing spiritual consciousness. Our body is spiritual. Yeah. We still see it just as physical, but it's spiritual. And so uh, the heavens in you, so we could say we are the building of God as man. In my father's house, there are many dwelling places. If it were not true, I would not have told you so. And Jesus said he was going to go to a place to prepare. He was, he, was, he was in this place that he was in, and he was in this passion work that he was in to show us some things, to reveal things to us, to awaken us to who we are. And he prepared us to live out of it. And sadly, very few people did. But Father sought to reveal to Abraham who he was and uh, who Father was to him. And in the book of Job, Job asked Father, What is man that you should magnify him? And then that you should set your awareness upon him. And then you find again uh, in Psalm 8, 4 and Psalm 144, uh, 3, uh, David asking the same question. And then you find in Hebrew 2, 6, Paul quoting that same question. What is man? You know, in church, I was never taught that, were you? Except that I'm just a sinner. Ten years in a Pentecostal holiness church and 38 years in a non-denominational church, and I really was never taught what is man. And then when I, we met Brother Garner... We're taught well, three. Huh? We're taught the three things. But when we met Brother Garner, we, we had those seven, seven pillars of truth. The first one was what is man, but we were, we were still taught that we were Adam, Adam, right? And the truth is Adam was a, the first race of man. And any place you look up the word man, it says Adam and it's man. But we were taught that we were in, uh, connected with a degenerate man, a fallen man or whatever. And so man is much more, right? Man is much more than what we were taught. So Father revealed to Abraham that man is an idea in the divine mind of Father. And whatever Father images, it's perfect. So Father saw the perfect man, if you would, and it's the personification of being the high point of Father's creation. We were formed in Father's image. So when you want to ask, who am I? What am I? You are the image of Father. When Father sees you, Father sees himself. And Jesus said, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And we should be able to say the same thing. When you've seen me, you have seen the Father. So man appears unlike Father because through not listening to Father, they strayed away from spiritual awareness. And they begin to listen to who? All kinds of religious teachings, mythological, paganistic teachings. So by accepting race thoughts, man accepted wrong ideas. When we accept that I'm white, you're black, you're another shade, you're this, you're this, you're that, then that's race thoughts and that's separation. Right. Yeah. And there's all kinds of isms then. Yeah. Right. And so be, people begin to re relate to that instead of to their source, which is father. They didn't know their father was their source. So they believe that they were unlike father. They believe that they were separate from father. And these concepts have by the law of thought become manifest. What's the law of thought? Well, 
as a man thinketh in his awareness, it says heart, but his awareness, so is his realization. If you think you're just human, then that's your realization. And that's what you're going to experience. If you think you're just a sinner, that becomes your realization. And that's what you're going to experience. Mm -hmm. And you're going to battle it all the days of your life. So what do we want to do? In our awareness, we get our awareness corrected to who we really are. Ma'am? Yes, who we are. Who we are. When we find out who we really are, and then we believe it in our awareness, then that's what we're going to get, and that's what we're going to project. So the ideal man is the perfect man. We're already perfect, but the ideal man is perfect, and so we project that out of us. The in-contact man, the offspring of the divine mind, is perfect, not lacking nothing. The manifest man should see themselves as perfect and ideal, and they will be, in a sense, in experience, and they, in their, in their uh, identity, they will be one with Father, and again, a son or a daughter of Father. Next time somebody asks you who you are, you need to say, I'm a son of God. Amen. I'm a daughter of God. Amen. That's who I really am. Now, my name is Lily. My name is Larry. My name is Roy. And I live in such and such place, and I love to fish, and I love to do this, and I love to do that. But who I really am is I'm a son of God. Amen. And, you know, you don't say it arrogantly or whatever, but, you know, so next time you go to a doctor, say that and see what happens. Oh, you need to see a psychologist. <laughs> so when, they are when you identify with anything less than perfection, you manifest some degree of imperfection in your awareness. Just like age, you know, currently we identify with our age and we shouldn't. Uh, I, you don't think I have battles with what's going on in my body with these diseases illegally there? Just the other day I heard, well, you're 72 years old. I, I heard that. You're 72 years old and this is what happens to old people. I heard that. And I immediately said, no, that's not true. I was having a conversation with a, a false thought up there in my, in my brain because there's been so many thoughts put in those brains. We've always believed that when you hit 60, 70, 80, you're gonna get sucked down to the earth more and you're gonna barely be able to walk. And <laughs> doctors will tell you that. What do you expect? You're 70 years old, huh? It's a lie. It is a lie. I expect life. Well, you know, I, I, have a I, I have a divine mind up here that tells me I can do all things. Well, I, you gotta talk loud if you're gonna talk because this doesn't pick you up here's the thing. quickly. Yeah. Does it not tell you how old some of them guys were? Oh yeah. Nine hundred years. Right. Lived a long time. And you know what's happened over time? Belief systems changed. That's right. That's right. And we have listened to, like you said, to the ones that we assume are smarter than us. Right. Doctors and things, and they said, "Well, that's normal. That's normal." And I've been going through the same thing that you're talking about. Yeah. You hear that with doctors. But at the same time, something is in here going, no, that's not true. That's right. You need to just start acting like who you are. Right. Trying to be somebody else. I've heard, I've heard a lot of people say, or some people say that they told their doctor, thank you for your opinion, yes. but that's not what I'm going to live out yes, of. Exactly. So we've, we've got to do that. Because Amen. if we don't, then we, 
we do, we manifest some kind of imperfection and we're used to that imperfection. So next thing you know, we identify with that imperfection. So man makes their world, if you would, through the activity of ideas and consciousness or ideas and wisdom or ideas and power or ideas and divine intelligence. So I want, I want this part. I want to make my ideas in line with father. The real man is the embodiment of father. And of course, you know, when I'm talking about man, I'm talking about mankind and all that, all the father substance and the power uh, make it active. And it's in our, in ourself. It makes it inherent in ourself and it begins to release to us. So when we are quickened to spiritual understanding, then we realize the true character of our father and our own nature and our own image and our own idea is the same as father's is. We, what happens then? We begin to live as Jesus lived so that our vision begins to change. And not only we see ourselves in the likeness, but we see all people in the likeness. So to perceive Father's true character and attributes and grasp our relationship Father is to realize that all these attributes, all the Father, everything that Father is, we are today. And we have that today. And Jesus lived that and exemplified that perfectly. So these are what Father sought to teach Abraham, that he could pass these truths down to his seed. When I was going over my notes today and I, I, I was reading this, I heard this. This is vital. Don't keep what you learn for just yourself. Right. It needs to be taught to your generation. And sadly, a lot of them don't want to hear it today. But we still got to hear We still got to share with them. And there will be a time that they'll say, I remember mama telling me that. I remember daddy telling me that. And, and they'll receive it and then father can well, water it. Well, mistaken identity is what's wrong with the world today. Right. Yes, the mistaken the identity world, is. The whole world doesn't know who they are. Right. So the truth is mankind is not limited in life. No. We have no limitations except for our awareness. We have existed with father always. At the beginning of creation, we were born into being a son or a daughter of God. Yes. The Christ, the uncontact one, the perfect one, the ideal man, male or female, whom Father made in his image and his likeness to reproduce him. That's what it actually said in, the, in Genesis. It said, Father created man, male and female, to reproduce him. Amen. Of course, we know there is no him, but that's what we thing we know to say. So... I was reminded right then when I wrote this down in John 8:58, and this is paraphrased. Before Abraham was, he's talking about physically, before Abraham was physically, I existed and so did Abraham. People look at that sometimes and say, he said before Abraham was, I, I, I am. But what he was talking about is an awareness. This, this awareness that we were both, we were all with Father from the beginning. And that's what he shared there. So, I'm going to close here a few minutes. I've got a little bit of time. But in Exodus chapter 2, we find Moses fleeing to the wilderness in the land of Horeb, H-O-R-E-B. This fleeing to the wilderness represents this discipline that we've got to undergo when we begin to uh, seat, seek the exalted one within inside of us. The exalted one would be Father, would be our divine mind. When we hear that we have a divine mind, then we begin to seek that. When we hear we know we have all things that pertain and we know all there is to know, 
then I want to tap into that part of me, right? right. So th th this kingdom, this kingdom is a good kingdom. It brings good judgments about people and it makes you a minister of righteousness if it would. So what was going on, there we are in training 40 years. He was in training for 40 years. And what happens there, we're there until we arrive at a balanced state of awareness and we're no longer tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. Not, no longer tossed to and fro by everything that we believe up here in our, in our memory, if you would. 40 is a number for testing. So your, your faith is tested. It's not Father testing you, but Jesus said, in this world you will have test, mm -hmm. right? And if I teach you something, some real truth, then, I'm a, uh, then I tell you, when you go back out into the world, you're going to be tested. Do you really believe this? Because there's going to be things that come against you or that you're used to that came against you. And your test is, are you going to be able to say, no, I don't believe that. I don't accept that. Or are you going to start cratering into it again? Huh? I'm a child of I'm God. A child of God. So, this begins to take place and we, we go through this time and what's happening is our awareness is beginning to balance out. As I said, we're no longer tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. We're never tossed to and fro by what we believe. We begin to think, I'm not letting that come out of my mouth anymore because it's not true. So in physical thinking, there is this vibro uh, vibratory process that, that they think use up, uses up nerve tissue in our body. But in wisdom, that comes from this spiritual awareness, this bush that burned, if you would. This, Moses was in front of a bush, and it's not consumed. And this is holy grounds, what Father said. And this substance, the divine mind, is holy, and it will never leave you. It will never forsake you. What do you mean, it? Your divine mind, your source, your Father, can never leave you because your, your source is one with you. So when mankind approaches this, they've got to take off their understanding of all that limits them. And what would that picture with Moses here? Remove those shoes from your feet. That represents understanding. Remove what you've been walking in all your life, right? Yeah. And that is a big thing to do. It's kind of tough. When I begin to understand everything that I ever believed was not true. Now, I did believe Father loved me, but I also believed that I could offend Father. I also believed that I wasn't giving enough money to the church. I also believed a lot of stuff they say, said to me that wasn't true. And there this came this time that I, I took those shoes off. I don't walk in that anymore. Amen. So Father proclaims himself to be the Father of Fathers. The Father of Fathers. The God of Abraham. The God of Isaac. The God of Jacob. And it goes on and on. There's 300 and something references to the God of and thus, our real Father is Spirit. The Bible said that God is Spirit, which is holy breath, and they that ascertain and seek and desire to know Father must do so in Spirit in and in truth. So we were not taught truth, so we never knew Father. Would you all agree with that? We were never taught truth. 38 years in a church, I was never taught truth. 10 years of my youth in, a, in another denomination, I was never taught truth. I was taught the concealed word. It was all laced with perceptions and false translations. So Father proclaims himself this way, and there's not one person who was or will be born of a woman 
that is not son or a daughter of God from eternity. I, I talked to my friend over then, and I think he's in the Netherlands. He was asking me about Jesus being king of kings, you know, because I taught on Jesus that, uh, not too long ago, and that brought a lot of questions. Well, king of kings, that's an awareness, right? So if I have a lot more awareness than you do on a subject, then I'm a king of kings. I, in other words, I'm here to teach you, but you're still a king. You're just not fully on that awareness level yet. In fact, I told him my name is Roy Edward Richmond, and I looked it up one day, and it says Royal King, King Protector. Mm -hmm. I thought God had my mama name me that, That's right. right? But I'm a, I'm a King Protector, but you're still a king, but you need a royal king, I mean, a king of kings to raise you up to that awareness. And so that's why it said Jesus was king of kings. And father is father of fathers. We're fathers, we're in the image of father, but father nurtures us and teaches us through our thoughts at, from our divine mind. So in our communion in, the, in silence uh, with, with light or life within us, whatever you wanna call us, the burden of this higher to lower is made clear to us and uh, the true way of release is indicated, the true way of getting out of this lower thinking, if you would. We begin to see the possibilities of man. We, need, we begin to see the promised land, the goodness of the promised land, which is living in the cool of the day, if you would. And we can, we can raise our thoughts there. But Moses was very meek. We feel our inability sometimes, and we say, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? See, his, his awareness was still, he wasn't sure who he was yet. He didn't know who he was. And who, who, who am I that should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? Then we have the assurance of Father's power. He said, certainly, I will be with you. Yes. And it's more than with you. I will be in you. I exist in you. Right? So it is this recognition of the power and presence of Father that strengthens us. And that's where it lies. This ability to lies is to recognize the power of God is inside of you. And Larry, you are the very presence of Father. Everywhere you go, you presence Father. We don't have to at, pray and ask God like we used to, come down, Lord, or come be with us, or follow us, Holy Spirit, or all those songs that we used to sing and cry all the time, right? Because we wanted it so bad. Never knowing, Lily, that you were the presence of God. Inside of you is what was everybody was praying for. Right. They were sitting next to the presence of God. Right. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. Jeremiah did the same thing. Now, Jeremiah said, Oh, Lord, I cannot speak, for I am a child. And Father spoke to him, to his thoughts, and says, Say not, I am a child, for you shall go to all that I send you, and whatsoever I command you, you shall speak. Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, saith the Lord. And that was the calling Father gave me, Jeremiah's, not to be afraid. You know, I've been doing this for I don't know how many years, since 19, really since 1988, but in 1996, my progression understanding has grown and grown and grown. And I've had much rejection. I've had even people, I had a minister tell me, if you will just compromise, he didn't say compromise, but if he said, you'll just stop translating scripture and stop saying this and stop saying that, you can preach to crowds. And I said, I don't want to. I'm not going to. So we, like Abraham, like Moses, like Jeremiah and many others, we had to hear a calling out, and then they could put their faith in Father's faith, and so can we. 
we are involved in a calling, a great calling out right now. Yes. Kay Fairchild calls it the age of Aquarius. There's people all over the world that are waking up to tremendous truth and they're hungry. And in closing, Nora, N-A-H-O-R, was Abraham's grandfather uh, from his father Terah's side. Nora's name in Hebrew means snorting, angry, passionate, eater, a piercing, a slaying, if you would. So Abraham's father, a grandfather, signifies a piercing and breaking up of our sins consciousness. And it's tough. It's very hard to break up false thoughts, false images. When all your life you believe that you're just a sinner, saved by grace, and you're still a sinner, that's very hard to break up, right? It's a sense conscious individual who has have yet been unpenetrated by those truths. We were penetrated by lies, right? Yes. And we received that, and it's, it's so hard. I've had people say, I don't know about you, but I'm a sinner. I've had, I can't tell you how many times people said, I'm still a sinner. Even though I said the sinner, I'm still a sinner. I've had people tell me, I'm not holy, and you're not holy either. And the list could go on and on. So this represents this here, and this pictures this, that they've been unpenetrated by truth, and these lines of thoughts and actions, but they can be brought forth and they can be interpenetrated into one's conscious awareness. And that's what we're doing today. And Kay's doing this, and other ministers, we are interpenetrating you with the truth, the very Spirit of God in us, the Holy One within us. We have been made messengers of an eternal truth that will really help make people free. So we find there is much commotion and inner shaking accompanies this inner breaking. And it gets pretty tough. And some people say, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> I'm not going to let go of what I've always believed. But these lesser ideas really take a lot of effort sometimes to get rid of. And the greatest way you can do that is be still and be quiet and listen to the Father. And I always say, don't just come to church and say, that was a good message, and go home and never think about it again. Take notes. Uh, watch it again on Facebook. Ask for the scripts, and I'll send the transcripts to you or whatever. And meditate, and meditate, and Father will reveal these things to you. So letting all that go is a must, and it reaps great benefit for us. Because in short, that was what the Apostle Paul wrote to Philippi. He said, exercise the same divine in you, which was in a relationship of rest in Jesus. That's the translation, let the same mind be in you that was in Jesus. Exercise. What is it? How do you exercise? You talk to Father. You listen to Father. You be still. You be quiet. And, and you allow, just like lifting a weight, you lift that weight, you lift that weight. Next thing you know, you're going to have a muscle. So if you exercise your divine mind and you allow your divine mind to function in you, then you become, you rise up and next thing you know, you're a king of king. And I tell you what, I spent years in various religions. I spent 48 years, if you would, in religion. And it took a long time to get a lot of that out of me. And I'm aware some of it may still be there, but when it pops its ugly head up, I just cast that vain imagination down. I'm not going back and I hope you're not either. So I hope you enjoy this. Uh, next week, we'll continue on in Romans chapter 4, starting with verse 11, and just see where the Father leads us. And as I've said, what I'm doing is I'm using my translations, 
and I read it and I wait and I just wait for the Lord to shine a light on a particular word or name or whatever and that's what I'm going to teach. If I taught everything I'd write a 10 volume set of books. I'm not going to do that but uh, the first book is going to be released pretty soon. As soon as the editor uh, does the last chapter on this I'm going to go ahead and publish a book on that so I'm excited about that. So we're glad you're all here with us today. We pray that you heard something that uh, has really uh, quickened you in your spirit and in your awareness, and that we just pray that the Lord will help us, that our conscious awareness will constantly be in line with what is truth and what Father is showing us today. So we love you very much. Thank you for being with us. Also, if you like this, share it on your Facebook page.